Before we get into the show and introduce today's guest, I would just like to thank United Medical Credit for being sponsors of this podcast and of the Business of Dentistry. As a matter of fact, they have a special offer for Business of Dentistry members, 0% merchant fees for the rest of the year, and 30% discount for life after that. You can get that special deal by either going to DocOffInvestments.com and clicking on the deal section, or by going directly to www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD. Thanks again, UMC. Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. So, Travis, you were just telling me that you have a, a new associate in the office this morning. Good morning to you, by the way, or, or good good noon, I suppose. How you been? Doing well, Chris. Um, yeah, my associate who's been with me for a while is moving and leaving me. So he, um, you know, he says wife's the one who's causing them to move, but we're having to find a replacement. So today is the first day of one of our new associates that we may be looking at hiring. Now that's always tough trying to bring in a new associate and get them calibrated. So we're live right now on TBOD and um, I'm going to put it out there for anybody who's interested in asking Travis a question, go ahead and uh, drop your questions in the, um, in the comment section below. But for right now, Travis, Talk to me. You've got something pretty cool going on here. Um, everyone knows that you um, you have this great book, The Practice Whisperer, and you you've recently written a book on insurance and you know how to decomplicate your life whenever it comes to filing correctly and things like that. Now you're actually going to host a conference. That the entire point of it is to become more profitable by learning how to correctly file insurance and things like that. So talk to us a little bit about what all you're going to be covering and where this thing's going to be, how people can get involved in it. Okay. So to give a, a basic background idea behind this is I see way too often where dentists are working more than they need to work, working harder than they need to work for the income that they want. You know, there's always this discussion out there like, oh, you know, our office isn't as big as that one or that one's bigger than us or whatever. And honestly, it doesn't matter. I mean, the reality is we work in order to provide for our families, but we don't want to overwork such that we impede what we want to do with our lives. And the important part is to work and be profitable enough um, each day that we work so that we don't have to work five days a week. You know, Absolutely. most offices I see they could generate the same income working two or three days and yet they're working five days a week. And I'm like, why? That, that so, was absolutely, that was absolutely my experience. Um, whenever I was working, um, I think I told you the story. I was working from seven until seven, five days a week. And I actually, I, it was just too much. And I felt like I was, um, I was running on a hamster wheel. So I cut back down to four days a week and then all of a sudden I was making more profits. And then I started closing down those hours and I had less dead space in the day where I wasn't profitable yep. and I was making more money and I felt better. I did. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. 
And you bring up the good point. I mean, years ago when I first started, I used to think every day I took off work, I was losing money because I wouldn't have that production for that day. But in reality, what happens is you don't lose that production. Those patients don't go anywhere. They just end up on different days. So you make your other days busier, more productive, and then you get the time that you want, whether it's for vacation, family, personal pursuits, hobbies, whatever, you know, and so my push for a lot of people recently has been take time off. You're not actually losing anything. Um, and in many ways, you gain more because you learn how to be more efficient on the days Absolutely. where you're there. So this conference is a lot about learning how to be efficient and productive in the office, both from an insurance point of view, because that's a big part of it, is making sure that you know if you're in networking contractor or out of network and dealing with claims, you still gotta make it an efficient process. But the other side of things that we're also gonna talk a lot about is how do you become more efficient as just a business? Regardless of if you're dealing with insurance or not, it's you know, what can you do to spend less time doing the same procedures? What can you do to have your team get things delegated to them so that you don't have to do it? I mean, Absolutely. if I think back 10 years ago, the number of things I did that I won't even touch now is huge. I mean, it's just, and there's so many things that legally can be done by other people that for whatever reason we do ourselves. And Absolutely. It's, it kills it me whenever work. I hear that a dentist hasn't trained his assistants to make good temporaries and wants to make the temporaries himself. It just kills me. You know, you, you said something a little while ago that I think could, could not be beat into people enough. And that is there's a difference between being busy because you said busy and then you corrected yourself and you said productive. There is a huge difference between being busy and being productive. And most dentists confuse those two things. You know, it's, if you're constantly doing things like a single filling and adjustments and relines and making temporaries and packing cord and all this other stuff, none of that really makes much money. I mean, yeah, you kind of make a little bit on a filling, but not enough. So it's all about learning to condense appointments. It's all about how learning how to get patients motivated to do more work at the same time. Um, it's about making it to where your team takes over the things that they can do so that the things only you can do as a dentist is what you're focused on. I mean, the biggest goal I have for team members, and it's funny to watch them actually do it because a lot of times they do a great job, is if they see me doing something that they can physically do, they will stop me and go, no, Dr. Campbell, I got that. Great. That's the goal. And I mean, half the times they'll pull me out of consults with patients because they'll go look, no, I, you know, I'm here. The questions you're having, I can take these over. You're needed in another room. Now, whether I'm needed there or not is not the point. They're getting me out of the room so that they can answer the questions that honestly anybody in the office can Absolutely. answer. Um, so it's, again, it's learning. It's not about working harder. It's learning to work smarter. Um, we are, we collect almost twice as much now that we did five years ago. And yet I actually feel like I work less. And that is so fun. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I enjoy going to the office. One of the, one of the things that 
in training my team about what needs to be on your lines of communication. This is something you and I have talked about before. For, for those of you who don't know, lines of communication, basically, um, as the dentist and as the CEO are very different. And so when someone brings a problem to me or when there is a task that needs to be done, I always ask myself, am I the only person who can do this? And if not, why is it on my line of communication? So if you're not the only person who can make a temporary, someone else needs to be taught to make a temporary and be trained well and then held accountable. If you're not the only person who can scan the mouth, I mean, obviously you can't scan the prep, but your assistants could be scanning the mouth, getting ready for you to go in. Then, they, then you can scan the prep. You erase the tooth that you, you're going to prep and you prep it and you rescan it. The problem is that so many dentists don't realize the inefficiencies that they've incorporated into their practice. I mean, I, I've, I don't know about you, but I see dentists and they've got this burr block from dental school and they've got like one burr block for fillings and one burr block for crowns. And I have a burr block that has nine burrs in it. It does every single procedure I do in my practice, every single procedure I did in my practice clinically. And I don't understand why anyone needs more. It, to me, it's because they haven't learned how each burr can cut and how you can use the same burr, for instance, a barrel. Um, barrel burrs can be used for facial and lingual reduction as well as for occlusal reduction. And to make sure you've got the right depth cut, all you have to do is pay attention to how big your barrel is so you know you have the proper reduction. But so many people will go in with a barrel and then they're going to go in with a chamfer and then they're going to go in with a 557 and they're going to go back in with another chamfer. It's such a waste of time because they haven't thought about what it was that they, what it was that they learned in dental school and why it's not efficient. Now, there's a difference between practicing for 50 years and practicing the same year 50 times. Yep. And it, you know, the crown one is a big one. And what I hear from a lot of dentists is, what's it really matter? You know, changing out burrs is only going to take 10 seconds. So I'm like, okay, change out burrs takes 10 seconds times four burrs times how many preps did you do that day? Right. I mean, you could add up to multiple minutes in a day and that's one thing. But the other thing people don't realize too is what's our biggest problem as dentists? We it's back and neck because of ergonomics. Yeah. Well, okay, oh, physical yes. problems. It's mm -hmm. we beat ourselves up. And every time I turn around to change a burr, that's not good on the body. Absolutely. So the less you change burrs, the less you're going to be sore, the, the better you're going to feel at the end of the day. I mean, it all goes into play. And yes, it's little bits at a time, but the most productive people in the world, the most successful people in the world focus on the little things, you know, because little things added up, they're easy to change, but in combination, they make a massive result. Well, you know, it's, it's not just that. So because of the fact that we talk, anytime you take your handpiece out of the patient's mouth, they're probably going to talk. Are they going to want to remove the isolator? They're going to want, want to sit up. Or if you start looking at that and start thinking about the fact that you're having them have their mouth open for longer, you're working on okay. the tooth for longer, all of those things add up to post-op sensitivity, either on the tooth or in the muscles of the jaw. You're taking longer. There's just so many reasons to be more efficient. And the first mm -hmm. step I would tell people is to take, take one of your team members and make them follow you around the stopwatch for a week. Trust me, the money you pay them in that week will be saved 50-fold in the next month. 
Have Absolutely. them every single procedure. And if something was really different, maybe you went way faster on one, ask her, what did I do different? Mm-hmm. And then listen. So you've taught a lot about insurance. You've taught a lot about practice management. Um, how is this course different? I know you've got a great course you made for uh, CareStack, for the CareStack University, for you folks out there who are members of CareStack and use it in your practice. Fantastic piece of software. Check out the university. Travis has got some fantastic classes in there. So what is this going to cover that that doesn't? It's a far more comprehensive. So like the CareStack stuff, that was a couple hours. This conference is going to be two days. The CareStack stuff, I wasn't in any hurry getting things out. You know, I was giving good information. But this course is actually between the two of us. You know, it's myself and then a speaker on medical. We're putting four days of content into two days. Is so, that May? Yes. And so this is where it's the, I'm going to warn people, you're coming to this course and you're going to be writing a lot. It's a fire hydrant. It's back in dental school throwing stuff at you because we want it to be valuable. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And it also goes into the whole fact that I'm teaching people how to be efficient. You can be efficient with you know, being running your office. You can also be efficient with speaking. And we can pack a lot of material into two days. So it's, it's the come to learn and have your mind blown, not the come to, you know, waste your time in little bits of tiny details here and there. It's, it's always so funny because I, I see things, and you, you and I have talked about this before. I don't really consider myself an expert on anything. And um, I've had people ask me to speak before and yada, yada, yada. I just don't have a desire to do it. But it always kind of slaps me in the face whenever I'm reading these comments on TBOD and people ask questions. My first thought is, why don't you know that? How long have you been practicing? And then I think there's not ever really been a great resource for people. People like you and I, we go out and we read freaking contracts and we, we call the insurance companies and we ask questions. We get involved in litigation. We get involved in legislation most people simply don't do that. I mean, they're, they're doing all they can to run in the door in the morning with their coffee and, you know, run out in the evening so they can pick up their kids. So yep. I, I really think that you're doing a fantastic service for people out there. And, and guys, if you have any questions, drop them in the comment section below. Free advice from Dr. Travis Campbell on insurance. Make it relevant. Or practice management. Or practice management. So, why don't we give them a couple of other tips on practice efficiency and insurance efficiency? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give one that's easy so you can't steal it. Guys, if your front desk is still verifying insurance for you and you have not outsourced to get VWire, which you should, or Dental Logic, make sure that when they're calling your insurance for the next day, they're calling for the next week. Okay, mm-hmm. now here's the thing. You do that every day. Doesn't mean they're finished because things on the schedule change. But what that allows you to do is make huge groupings of, oh, well, these people have Delta Dental of Michigan. I'm going to call all those first. doesn't matter if they're on the same day or not. If you do that, you will never have nasty surprises as long as they have an IVF. Now, I'm going to let you pick up there because I know you have some opinions on what an IVF should be. So, Travis? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is people have got to realize the worst part about calling insurance is the wait time. So you can call and wait for 30, 40 minutes to ask one patient 
or you can call and wait for 30, 40 minutes and ask for four or five. I mean, it only takes a couple minutes per patient. So you're saving exponential time if you can ask about more than one. So yes, absolutely go out a week. An IVF um, or an insurance verification form for people who don't know what that is, is or breakdown sheet is what I usually call them, is it's all the details about what the insurance is gonna pay. I mean, you can log into an online portal and get some details. You'll get the basics. You know, what's the maximum? What's the percentages? I did, I did the best I could, man. I could only do it yeah. for non risk plans. That's fine. But you're not going to get everything. And the only way to get everything is actually pick up the phone and call. Now, some great examples. What's the missing tooth clause? Often that's not on a portal. You know, do they downgrade for composites? Sometimes it's on there. Sometimes it's not. You know, do they cover at a full treatment? or a full fee schedule, or do they cover a MAC plan? You know, do they cover, you know, when do they cover bite wings? Is it every six months? Is it every six months in a day? Is it every 12 months? I mean, there's so many little details that can make a huge difference on how we take care of patients and what we do to estimate. And in most cases, people go off just the portals or just very basic info, and therefore their estimates are wrong a lot. And the challenge is a lot of times they're wrong in the fact that now we're having to collect money from the patient later. Which I don't know about you. If you're told that, hmm? oh yeah, I mean, you tell somebody that they owe money after the fact, that's a great way to lose a patient or at least have a very dirty conversation with them. Or what happens a lot is have to end up writing that money off. Well, there's, I want to get paid for what I do. Yeah, me too. There's only so many times that you can use the excuse because I hear this all the time. I've heard it come out of team members' mouths who whenever I've hired them. And I have to have a real strict discussion with them on how we talk to patients. I'm so sorry. There's nothing we can do. The insurance didn't tell us the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it's great to let the patient know that the insurance is the bad guy and you're not the bad guy, but nothing we could do is bullshit. If you had mm -hmm. done your job right to begin with, the problem wouldn't have existed. And so yes. if any of you dentists out there don't agree with that, go to Travis's CE, because by the time you're done with his CE, you're going to know how to file insurance yourself, which I guarantee 99.9% .9 of dentists out there could not do their front desk job because they have no idea how it's done. If you don't know it, how it's done, you can't make it more efficient. If you can't make it more efficient, you are spending too much money. Other people mm -hmm. are going home with your money that you could have in your pocket. Part of the thing is we have always a, a comment real quick. One, one uh, second, Travis, I'm sorry. Um, Catherine Alderman says, awesome message. What do you think, uh, blah, 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 what do you think healthy collection, not production per one dentist per month should be? So I don't look at per month because months can change quite a bit. I usually look at per year and mostly, but you can figure out per month, just divide by 12. Right. An average dentist will collect you know, 700, an average office will collect $700,000 a year. That's 88 numbers across the country. It, would, it is very easy. A million easily. Oh, I would say 1.5 is really mm -hmm. simple. And simple being you're not doing extra services. You're not doing anything other than being efficient. Right. Not fast, efficient. Um, 1.5 is easy for an office to make. We do almost three. So we double that. So if you think about that, and this is where we talk about the timing or the days per week, it is easy and it will reach those numbers 
to make $300,000 per week or per day of the week that you work per year. Meaning if you work three days a week, multiply by three, that's $900,000. Granted, that's always, even less than 1.5, I always 300,000. So I always do by chair. I, I've, whenever I'm asked this question, I say four to $500,000 per chair in your office. Total for the office? Yeah, that, that works. Uh, that's a little high for most people. I well, it depends on how many depends on how many days or a week they're working too. Correct, exactly. Which is why I think the days of the week is a better calculation. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so think about it this way: it's break up your collections, divide by the numbers of days a week you work, and that will get you the number. Three hundred is really simple. The sad part is the average dentist doing about one fifty. I know. Which means, with just some very simple tactics, and having enough patience. You can easily double your collections, not changing any procedures, not adding anything on, just being better at what you're doing right now. That's I'd, say, it. I'd say a huge part of things is, all right, so people always ask, oh, how, how do you get so many Google reviews? Well, you get Google reviews by asking for them. How do you mm-hmm. close so many cases of ortho? Ask people if they want to straighten their teeth. Mm-hmm. The real problem is they haven't had a reason to become more efficient because they're not being pushed for time because they're not closing enough cases. Yep. But you know what the average dentist case acceptance is? 20%, I believe. 15 to 20%. I was going to say 25, but yeah, I mean, close enough. Which means every time you present four crowns, you will get one. Every time you present four cases of ortho, you will get one. And and that's funny because what a lot of people do is they count it as a case acceptance. If you present um, 30 or $40,000 worth of treatment, someone has a a lot of stuff wrong with their mouth and they accept one thing. That's not a treatment plan acceptance. That is a percentage of that treatment plan. So if you did a thousand dollars on a $30,000 case, well, then that's 3%. That's not hundred percent, but people, they trick themselves because they want to be better. But they don't want to necessarily put in the work to do yep. it. And part of that is often, and this is a lot of what I teach with, because it works really well for me. And I know you do the same thing. You've got to figure out from the patient what their why is, right? Why are they going to do dentistry? Why are they in your office? Why are they asking about what the treatment is? You know, I've got patients where they're missing second molars. I ask them, does it bother you? If it does, then absolutely, let's talk about implants. If it doesn't bother you, I'm not going to waste your time or my time talking about implants. Because that is where people look at dentists and go, they're just looking for more money. They're just trying to get more out of me. Well, because we're trying to present them with something that doesn't match their why, doesn't match their wants, their desires. And so that's the biggest thing. I mean, good example. I had a patient years ago who came in as a referral from another local dentist, and she's a great dentist, Um, but she didn't give him the answer he wanted. He wanted a partial. She talked about an implant. Well, the guy was in his 60s. He didn't care about something that's removable, and he wasn't going to spend four grand, but he spent two grand for the partial and was perfectly happy. And has been with me forever since and has no issues with partial. Now, me personally, would I ever get a partial? No, but I'm not that patient. I, I'll tell you what, if, if I had a tooth missing between two other pe- teeth and I couldn't afford to get an implant, I would get a partial all day long 
just because of the amount of damage that it can cause to your occlusion when those teeth begin to drift. And I think a lot of times when we as dentists present things, we don't necessarily think through all the reasons because we know the reasons, right? But our patients don't know the reasons. You know, if you tell them, hey, you've got a tooth that's missing right there and it doesn't bother me. And there's a tooth behind it and you're not telling them, hey, these other teeth are going to move and then your bite's not going to be right. You might end up chipping things that may cost you more. I'm not trying to pressure you into doing it, but these are things you really need to know if you're going to make a good decision. If you still don't want to do anything about it, I'm going to remind you next year and the year after that. When you finally get tired of hearing me say something about it, either tell me you want to do it or tell me to take it off the treatment plan. I'll do that, but I don't want your teeth to break. Yep. The line I like a lot is you present them with the concerns and then you ask, does this concern you? Because they're your concerns until the patient says, yes, it concerns me. Did you learn that from homily? Yeah, I learned a lot from homily. I did. I did too. I don't do do his stuff 100%, but I learned a ton from him. One second. I'm sure that's lunch. I'm busy. <laughs> That's lunch, but I'll wait. Okay, so keep going. So is that your official gamer's chair right there, Travis? You've been gaming in your office while... Uh... <laughs> it is a gamer's chair. Um, the story behind this is a couple of years ago, actually probably more like three or four years ago, my team decided my office needed to be cleaned up. You know, I, I leave... I, it's busy, cluttered. Um, I know where everything is, but it's cluttered. So in the process of cleaning the office out and getting rid of a lot of things that really didn't need to be in here, they got me a new chair because the chair was worn and everything Mm -hmm. else. Well, my team went to pick it out. I didn't. So they were like, you know, what's the most comfortable chair that looks like him? They picked this out and I looked at it when it, well, I'm the one who had to set it up, but I was like, that's perfect. My team did a great job. um, And it was something they had fun doing. I mean, They picked out a gift, granted it was on the office budget, whatever, but they like this chair because they picked it. I like the chair because it's a nice chair, but yes, gamer chairs are usually comfortable. So I've, I've told you this before. Um, you, we're always, we always end up with friends who are like us or like other people that we're, we associate with. And I, I've always believed that most of my best friends are some weird homogenization of my traits and my wife's traits. My wife has the same filing system you have. She, it's in stacks and they're turned slightly different. And I swear to God, you tell that woman, hey, baby, look, we need to get the 1099 for this person. Oh, hold on one second. It's right here. She knows where in that stack the damn thing is. I would lose my mind if I had to stand in her office. I don't go to her office. Like if I ever go to her, her practice, I do not go into her office because like, oh, I get so much anxiety just seeing it. <laughs> you, you've seen what I'm like. It's all like, you know, edges are aligned and everything's in a file. Yep, and, yep. you know. Uh, now, granted, most of this is not paperwork. It's like cases, details, flyers isn't the paperwork's on the computer i mean i like computer stuff for that but yeah i mean it's it is what it is but they cleaned it they did a great job and that's how i ended up with the chair and here's the thing i mean i know a lot of people go well if you picked it out you could probably save 30 bucks 50 bucks i'm like you know that money is worth the team going i had a part in that right they took some ownership in the office and And i'll tell you that the value of that chair you know, so much it, better. Yeah, it's the truth. So let's talk about 
some basic practice management that you guys are going to be covering in this, in this uh, conference. Oh, and where can they go and sign up? Well, we've been chattering here about all sorts of stuff, but we didn't tell them where to sign up yet. So the easiest way to get any of the courses I'm going for this year is practicewhisper.com slash speaking, or just go to practicewhisper.com and just click on the speaking page. There'll be a list of everything I'm doing. The May event is the one we're talking about. The May event is the most comprehensive event I'm doing this year. Um, and it goes over everything. So good example. I mean, this one comes up on TBOD like every week. <laughs> Patient came in, got some work done. Something happened. Patient walked out without paying. And now we have other problems. I don't know how many times I hear it. And yet it's got an easy solution. And I always make this crass so people remember it. Money in hand before ass in chair. Amen. I make that everything needs crass. to be a mantra. <laughs> well, yeah, we know that. It make it a mantra in the office, and it's crass so that people remember. The front should never, ever, ever put somebody in your chair until they've paid. Absolutely. But it also means the dentist, because sometimes this is the dentist's fault. You know, well, it's, you talk almost, about, it's usually the dentist's fault. We we set the tone, man. Well, there's that, but I'm also meaning could be associates too, because I did this as a dentist for years. Emergency patient comes in, needs something done. It's something quick and easy to do. So I'm just going to do it while I'm there. And then the patient goes up front and goes, I don't want to pay for it. Right. Because you didn't talk of money and collect it up front. Guess what, guess what else you didn't do? You didn't get a, a treatment plan. You, you didn't get his consent. You didn't get a treatment plan. Well, you could, could technically have gotten the consent, but yes. And not gotten paid. You did. So always, always money in hand before you ever start work. I mean, it's just, right. it should be, it should be a no-brainer. And I will tell you, there are so many things that that fixes in and of itself. Now, granted, I could spend an hour talking about how to talk to people about that and how to go through the, you know, the ifs, ands, and buts, the questions, all of that. But it's the simple process of always collect money up front. Hi, folks. This is Doc Huffpower, founder of the Business of Dentistry and host of the Dear Doc podcast. Before we go any further, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our fine sponsors, Dentamax. Now, I've been able to land a phenomenal deal for all of our TBOD members and our listeners on the Dentamax Dream Sensor. Before I jump into the offer, if you didn't already know, Dentamax offers high-quality dental sensors. They sent me one of their dream sensors to try out my office, and my staff just raved about it. If you're picky about image quality, Dynamax has you covered. When you get your sensor in, a technician will help you by setting it up so that you get clear, concise images all of the time. In fact, they can even set it to mimic a sensor that you had before that you like the image on. All you have to do is share which one it was. It has a tough, durable housing, and it's backed by a three-year manufacturer warranty, which is one of the longest warranties in the industry. I also like the thin design. With the beveled corners, it makes it easy to place in the patient's mouth, and it's pretty comfortable. Now, I know a lot of you may be worried, will this work with my imaging software? You don't have to worry there. Denimax has you covered there as well. Denimax Dream Sensor works with virtually all software. In fact, it's usually plug and play, and you never even have to use a Twain driver. I'm excited to share this special with you because David Ornette, Denimax's CEO, 
was willing to give us a really great deal. All of our members can try the Dentamax Dream Sensor for free. That's right. They'll ship it out to you and let you use it for two weeks. In fact, they'll even have their technician dial it in on your systems to make sure it looks as good as possible. Now, all you have to do to get this offer is go to denimax.com forward slash TBOD. But guys, that's not it. Denimax is going to give you $3,000 off of their retail price plus a $200 discount above and beyond that just for being a member of this community. So you can get a size one sensor for just $27.99 and a size two sensor for $37.99. It's a really great deal on a really great sensor, but you don't have much time to wait because this deal ends on July 4th. So go ahead and go to dendamax.com forward slash TBOD, check out the deal and celebrate your freedom from high prices. Thanks again, folks. This is Doc Huffpower. Let's get back to the show. Another one is prepay. I mean, I've been doing prepay now for a couple of years. And man, it took me years to decide to do prepay. Um, and I'm sure you laughing over there probably were one of the people telling me I need to start prepaying. Every time you talked about it, because it, it reduces yeah. your no-shows, man. Yes. My no-show rate for treatment is 0.1%. Because they the average no-show rate is eight. I think people don't understand why people don't show up. It's money. because they don't want to give you their money because they don't really want the thing fixed. <laughs> so if, if you get them to commit to paying beforehand, they're going to show up for that appointment unless there's something horrible. Yep. It's the same reason you have a no-show fee. I'm sorry. Look, yep. the first time is free. And you tell them, hey, look, uh, I talked to Dr. Huff Power, and he said to go ahead and waive the no-show fee this time because you've never done that to us before. And he knows it had to have been, you know, a real emergency. But so that you know, the next time you will be charged $50. Yep. Now, and here's the line I add to that. <laughs> here's the line I add to that. So let's find a time that you are absolutely certain you can make it so we don't have to deal with this again. Great. Absolutely. No big deal. Our job as well as team members is to avoid having to charge patients extra fees. That's what the front team should, that's their kind of goal. And so if you go about that, but their goal is to find a time. You avoid it by yes. setting them up for success. Yes. Which means if a patient tells you, you know, I can really only do a Thursday, and then you say, well, for the next month, our only availability is Wednesday and you stick them on a Wednesday, you've created the problem. If they only want Thursday, great. Book them out two months if you must and put them on a wait list for a shorter time period, but don't put them on a different day than they told you. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Unless they truly say, well, no, I prefer Thursday, but I could make these other days work. Just give them what they prefer. I mean, it's just that simple. Tell you one of the things that I did that um, it was such a no brainer to me, but I had never seen done before is I started instructing my front desk when they were scheduling the next appointment, particularly, you know, your next recall. What you do first is you say, hey, do you have your phone with you? Go ahead and pull that out real quick. Open up your calendar. That one line right there. Exactly. What the thing is, is they won't make the excuse because they want to get out of it, right? They're not going to make the excuse <laughs> of, oh, I'm going to have to check my calendar. Your calendar's in your, in your hand. Don't lie to me. Everybody's calendar's on their phone these days. Even little grannies, man. <laughs> 
And so if you actually make it to where they have to lie to your face while they're holding the calendar in their hand, they're going to schedule that appointment and, you know, they're going to keep it because you're going to make them prepay for it. Yep. Now here's the thing. And what so many of us do, and it's the absolute wrong thing to do. We try to avoid objections. We don't want to hear objections. Tell you what the patient wants. Yes. Because here's the thing. If you don't hear the objection today, is the objection going away? No. no. But if you hear it today, can you respond to it? Absolutely. And most objections have simple answers. Yeah. But if you don't if, pull the objection out of the patient, you can't because respond to it. There's a couple of different kinds of objections. There's a hidden objection. There's a false mm -hmm. objection. And there's a real objection. So your real objection really is something that is a concern to them. And if you satisfy that concern, you've given them a gift. And that gift is less anxiety. And that gift is you know, the knowledge that they needed to make a good decision. Hidden yes. objections are when you are, when you're trying to find out what the problem is and they give you different answers and you solve it and then they give you immediately a different answer and then you solve it and they immediately give you, there's something they're not wanting to tell you. Um, yep. I honestly, I had one once that happened to me where her friend had gotten an implant and her real fear was that the implant was going to hurt and it was going to fail. Well, of course, her friend's hurting implant failed, right? <laughs> so, so that was her real objection. But she kept going on, you know, how much time it would take and blah, 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 blah. And finally, I just said, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like there's something that you're not telling me. Because I know you want to replace this tooth. What's really, really worrying you? Mm -hmm. And that's when she spilled the beans, you know? Now, a false and now you can respond to it. And did she get the implant? Oh, yeah, of course she got the implant. Yeah. So the false objection, the last kind of objection, the false objection is when they just don't want to make a decision. So mm -hmm. they'll lie to you about something that they're concerned about because they think that you'll just leave them alone. They're feeling pressured into making a decision. There's several different ways to deal with that, but it really is patient dependent. It honestly is one of the hardest things to deal with because you actually have to know some psychology to figure out how to deal with it. And you have to know that patient pretty well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's just asking questions. I mean, we don't ask questions enough. We tell patients way too yes. much and don't ask them enough. I would, I would completely agree. We always want and to do so horrible about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Chris, you need a crown. I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, the one I even love more. Chris, you grind. You need a night guard. I'm curious how no, I you, don't, I don't grind. How you set it up because what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll pull out a mirror. Mm -hmm. and I'll say, take a look real quick. And I'll say, um, you sleep on your right hand side, don't you? Mm -hmm. said about three quarters of the night you'll roll to your left how do you know that said well i haven't been sneaking into your room at night and watching you see these two teeth right here that'd be a little freaky that would be creepy and again that depends on the patient too you know little old lady she's gonna laugh at that young lady you would never have those words cross your lips so you point to the teeth and you say, do you notice that that one right there is just a tiny bit shorter than this one? That means it gets worn a little bit more whenever you're moving your teeth together at night, right? Because everybody's triggered on grinding. Nobody mm -hmm. grinds. 
So when you're doing that, you're actually wearing it down by a little bit every time. So the reason I could tell is the one that's worn the most. Well, you see how the wear goes in this direction? That's because your jaw is being displaced by your pillow. Mm -hmm. And they'll just like, literally, their mouth will drop open. No one's ever told me that before. Well, it's mm -hmm. something that we know, but we don't necessarily think to tell you guys. So this one right here, you see how you have a little wear on that one? That's how I knew you rolled over. That's just, okay, so now you've just proven to her that you're an expert, or him, that you're an mm -hmm. expert. You don't have to say, oh, I know what I'm talking about. You grind. They want to know more about it. You've set them mm -hmm. up. And then you drop it. Later on in the appointment, once you've gained a little more trust, say, hey, remember we talked about you rubbing your teeth together at night? You saw the damage there. Is that something you'd like to prevent? Yep. And then you shut up. <laughs> That's another thing that dentists don't do well. We don't mm -hmm. shut up. Yep. Because if you stop talking, you force the patient to answer. Yes. And in many cases, if you can get the patient to say, yes, they have a problem, you've got treatment acceptance right there. Right. Because they own it then. Once someone admits to something being their problem, they own it. It also keeps down that animosity of a patient who mm -hmm. is upset because you found a problem in their mouth. Because that's your problem, Travis, because <laughs> you haven't made them agree that it's their problem yet. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, again, I go back to that question of, is this a concern of yours? Here's a cavity. Is that a concern of yours? That's, there's a growing hole in your tooth. Wow. Here's an infection. Is that a concern of yours? Here's a bunch of worn teeth and enamel blowouts. I love enamel blowout as a term. Mm -hmm. Is that a concern of yours that you've lost 20% of your tooth structure already and you're only 30? Tell me how Tell you me. the enamel blowout thing, because I have never heard that. You haven't heard enamel blowout. Okay. No. So if you think about the posterior teeth, usually molars, where you can see on the cusps that they're actually dipped, mm -hmm. that's an enamel blowout. That's, cupping is the way I learned it, but I love enamel blowout because it makes it sound like a tire that exploded. Exactly. I it's like just it. more I like it. patient term for the, you know, it's just, and patients are like, oh, wait, what's that? I mean, it, you mean, it just, you mean you speak to your patients in human, you emulate human. Like I you try to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then I always ask the question too, is if I got you something to prevent this, that you only had to wear at night, would you wear it? Now, here's the thing. Everybody says yes. Right. I'm not expecting a no. I'm wanting them to say yes again, because the more times you get them to say yes to something, when it finally comes down to money, they're already in the habit of saying yes. It's a, it's a psychological thing. Absolutely. It's, and that, that would be the principles of influence people. If you haven't read it, read it. Yep. It works. Yes. One of the, one of the things that we always learned um, from Silken, I, I, I did Silken Consulting whenever I first started my practice, mm -hmm. uh, as did my wife wonderful, wonderful people they do a great job. But we learned about stacking agreements. The more agreements you can stack on a decision, the heavier that decision is, the more likely it is they're going to make that decision because it's weighed down by all these agreements. You know, and yep. it's also something called shared reality. Because once you get agreements on facts, then you share the same reality. The truth of the matter is, is you can have a patient, you look in their mouth, and you know, they've got cavities on every tooth, but nothing's hurting, right? And so their reality 
is that there is not a problem because the reality says there's not a problem unless something hurts. Our reality is, hey, let's fix everything that's wrong so that nothing ever hurts. So we, we live in a completely different universe. It, it's trying, it's yep. like trying to speak to someone in a foreign language because we just aren't speaking the same language. We aren't anywhere in the same reality. So you have to get your yep. patients into the reality you share or at the very least communicate with them in their own language so that you can pull yes. them into your reality. And that's a trick a lot of people, they never learn that. And they, they, I've, I've talked to dentists who've been practicing 20 and 30 years and they're sp still speaking to your patients in dentalese. Mm -hmm. Which is what we learned in dental school usually. That's it. Well, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. You know, it, it always reminds me of that um, catch me if you can line where the guy goes, I should have conferred, I should have concurred. I don't know if you remember that one or not. It was pretty funny. So give me a couple of tips real quick for insurance that you're going to talk a little bit about during this course. So the number one I talk about all the time in conferences is how to get the commonly denied services covered. Crowns and SRPs are the biggest ones. Buildups. In general. Hmm? Build and what? Build and buildups. I mean, those go with it. Yes, absolutely. We have 99.9% .9 acceptance rate. There's really? a reason. Do you actually do probing depths on a complete period chart? We do. <gasps> it all comes down to, in general, though, and I mean, details require pictures and cases, and I've got all those that oh. we go through. But the simple answer is it comes down to better documentation. Right. And it's funny because I hear all the time dentists are like, I have great documentation. Then I look at their stuff and go, uh, no, you don't. Yeah. And because you've got to realize you're trying to document this for someone who's never seen the patient and often is not even a dentist. You have to have enough documentation that someone who is not a dentist can understand what you did and why. And in most cases, what we send them is wrong. The most common is cracked teeth. If you send them a picture of a cracked tooth and nothing else, more than likely you're gonna get that case denied. If you send them pictures mid-op, you never get denied. Now granted, why, how you take them, where you take them, there's some details on that, but in general, it's the mid-op information that's far more valuable. So it's all about that. And it's funny how many times I'm like, did you do a peri chart? Yes, and I look at there and like, there's just pocket depths. I'm like, mm -hmm. pocket depths is not a peri chart. Pocket depth is part of a period chart, but it's not a period chart. Well, and, and until a pocket reaches, I would say, and even in some cases with pseudo pocketing, particularly on your distal of your uh, your distal molar retromolar pad, even a seven might not be perio if you've got technically yes. If you've got a you got a lot of swelling back there, but oh, yes, no, exactly, exactly. You, you might have a periopericulitis. That's yep. not. So where's your gentle margin? Where's your reference? Ah, where's your CEJ? Exactly. Once you have that, now you have parity. Oh, wait, no. Nope. What about your BOP? Well, you that's active or passive. And if it's not active, you can't treat it or you shouldn't treat it. There's nothing to treat. So yes, these are all important details in order to get claims paid. But here's the thing too, because I've had people go, well, why am I doing all this for insurance? Well, you're not doing it for insurance. You're doing it because that's what's required for documentation purposes. If you've ever been audited by the state board and not been audited a couple of times, that's what they're looking for. They want that level of detail. So you do it because it's what's normal. 
You do it because it's what's needed for diagnosis. You do it because it will help protect you against state board issues. And then you do it so that you actually get paid for the work that you're doing. That's it. There's lots of reasons to do it. Why we don't do it? Mostly because we haven't learned to do it quickly. It doesn't take long. It just, it's a habit. You got to form the habit. So guys, for those of you who have just joined us, this is Dr. Travis Campbell, author of The Practice Whisper. He's talking to us a little bit about his insurance profitability course that he's going to be offering coming up soon here. There's a link up top so that you can register for that course. It's going to be a two-day course that is a deep dive into both medical and dental insurance claims, verifications. Um, I, I, I hesitate management, efficiency, how to make more money doing the same exact work you're doing now so, and how to work less. If anybody out there is tired of feeling like you're on a hamster wheel and you want to learn how to get off of it, or maybe just, you know, make that hamster wheel run a little bit better. Less, less squeaks. So um, that, that, I just, I just took that analogy way too far. Squeaks. Uh-huh. Cute. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, guys. So if you want to, if you want to find out more about that, go ahead and click on the link up top. If you have any questions for Dr. Campbell, we're going to be on for just a few more minutes here. So go ahead and put them in the bottom, put them in the comment section. We'll get to you as quickly as we possibly can. So Travis, talk to us a little bit about practice efficiencies, um, things that we haven't covered yet. We've covered how you should do a proper insurance verification. We've covered the information that you need to get on the phone and why you should do it the way that you and I both did it. Uh, what are some things that we haven't brought up that will help people to be more efficient? Same day treatment. Okay. Oh my gosh, this is a huge one. Now, we talk about all the time where it's a common complaint. We have cancellations. Great. If you treat them today, they can't cancel on you. Fine. If they got this little occlusal filling, I can tell you it's probably only going to take me 10 minutes to do it or less. Why not do it today? Here's the thing. I hear it all the time. We don't have time. If you looked at my schedule and you see what we added on every day, you would never say you don't have time anymore. What you don't have, which we had to develop, I mean, it, it's, it's a change. You don't have the mental thought process and the systems in the office to make it I was going to say the systems work. make that. The systems make it work. If you don't have standard operating procedures for every single procedure you do in your practice, you're doing something wrong, people. Um, yep. If you don't have a plan for everything, you're doing something wrong. Because when it comes in, especially as the same day, your people have to know like that mm -hmm. what they need for that procedure, what the paperwork is they need for the procedure. You know, otherwise you end up doing things like doing a filling without having consent, without presenting a treatment plan and having it signed, without getting paid before you do it. You know, I don't know about, I've seen a lot of people have credit card swipes, chair side. I don't like that. I'm a real big fan of maybe using a, you know, an iPad or something maybe with a square, but um, there, there are ways, guys. There, and, and you don't have to spend an arm and a leg to implement something like this. One of the, one of the simplest things I ever realized, Travis, um, I remember the day very, very clearly because I blew up. I, I don't lose my cool very often. Um, I'm usually really laid back, chair side in the office, but I had just the day before explained something to someone. And um, I, I still feel ashamed about this because I blew up at her 
And I said, I just freaking told you this yesterday. We covered this. I taught you how to do it. And then it hit me that this was my fault. And the reason it was my fault is because I hadn't seen the opportunity to make an SOP. When something yep. goes wrong in your office, guess what? It's going to go wrong again exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Take the time that evening to write up a standard operating procedure, present it at the meeting in the next morning, have every single person on your team sign it, put it into your employee handbook or into your techniques, SOPs handbook. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, then it, it's the same thing as walking over a mistake. Yep. You know, you're going to repeat it. You're going to repeat Here's it. Here's the other fun one I've heard. And it's because it's so easy. Everyone has a cell phone now. If Absolutely. you're going to teach somebody to do something, their Departed. natural reaction needs to pull out the phone and record you saying it because now they can send you that video and guess what you never have to have i was going to say i was going to say i went one further because i actually make them write the sops and the way i make them write the sops is i'll, I'll look at them and say pull out your cell phone i want you to record exactly what i'm doing here and i want you to take pictures then i want you to send them to me later <laughs> because mm -hmm. then whenever you're writing up your sop you can actually link in those documents um, i actually made a youtube channel just for my office and people who were on my team would go there to watch videos to get trained in how to use pieces of equipment or how to do a specific procedure. Man, best, best $0 I ever spent. Yep. You're going to spend the time to explain it anyway. You might as well record it and only have to explain it once. Absolutely. Heather Harris says, looking forward to your class, Travis. Heather, do you have any specific questions that you would like singled out right now? If so, go ahead and drop a comment down there and we'll try to hit it. So Travis, I know you've got to go and eat your lunch over there. Um, we have 1234 right now. And since we're both in the same time zone, uh, when do we have to let you go, my friend? I got 10 minutes. All right. That's fantastic. All right, guys, you've got 10 more minutes. And uh, if your question is not in by then, then you just have to register for the class. You should do that anyway, though. You can do that with the link up top, right above my funky looking head here. Just click on that link and, uh, you know, register for the upcoming course. Now, Travis, you are going to be working with me on another course sometime soon here. Uh, we're going to be doing a clinical course, which uh, we really need to get moving on, but I, I, I've just been busy. So we should do that. <laughs> but um, you're going to, we're going to give some of the same messaging there, but it's not going to be as comprehensive. I mean, this is two days of insurance training. Um, will a practice owner be able to go back if they learn everything, I'm going to say, you know, some people may have to practice this a bit, but if they, mm -hmm. if they have total recall, they have an eidetic memory, they go back to the practice on Monday morning, will they be able to file their own insurance claims, do their own verification, know how to read an insurance contract? What, what, what will they be capable of doing if they learn everything that you teach? Learn how to document correctly and learn how what needs to go in a claim. Now, whether they follow or not depends on their software. So that, but that's an easy thing to learn. I mean, just go on your software training videos and they're great on that. Learn how to get, the biggest thing is learn how to avoid denials and learn how to get paid more doing the same procedures you're doing now. Now there's a great I mean, segue there because Dr. Harris has just asked, what do you say to a patient when the insurance comes back with disallowed? <laughs> so this is where you have to know what disallowed is 
you have to know when it's coming because they're almost completely expected. And then you have to preempt it. You have to preempt it from the patient saying, by the way, your insurance company is not going to allow you to have this service. This is why the service is important. Do you agree? Would you like this service? If so, here's the steps you need to do. Here's the waiver you need to sign. Here's the out-of-pocket pressure it's going to be. And therefore, insurance is not involved in your healthcare decision. That's it. But in order to do that, you have to know what's coming. And that's part of what we train is where disallows coming from. You know, a lot of times they come from buildups, not because they're truly disallowed, but because you don't have the right documentation. Disallows also come from certain services like, you know, Delta will typically disallow four quadrants of SRP on the same day. Right. Doesn't mean you can't get them to pay for it. It means you have to get a lot more documentation to do it. Or well, if no, you can't give them that, good guys, documentation. Correction there, correction there. If they've already disallowed you, no amount of documentation is going to get them to pay you. That's not true. Really? I, I have had success many, with that. Many cases. Oh, I want to hear yes. that. I want to hear that story. Oh, so yes. For me, I always looked at it and said, okay, this company's disallowed this thing. We're never going to do that again without getting them to sign the paper. So I just made a list. I assumed from the wording of it that you would not be able to get them to pay once they had done a disallowal. Talk to us about so, that. Is that something I didn't know? This is where EOBs lie all the time. EOBs, the only information that's on there is when a reviewer looks at a claim, they have a list of choices that they can pick off on why they're denying the claim or disallowing the claim. It's a very short list of choices. They're not detailed, they're not custom, and often they're not close to what the reviewer actually wants to tell you. And so you can have an EOB that says disallowed, but it's not telling you exactly why. And in many cases, disallowal, the true answer is you didn't provide enough documentation, but I guarantee you that's not gonna be on the EOB. That is not a choice that they have because they don't want you to present more information to actually get right. the claim paid. Well, and we have had reasons we have that. had SRPs for Delta paid four quads in a day. Not very often. We don't do it because it's a nightmare to try to do, but we can do it. We've had buildups that have been disallowed, paid. We've had many things disallowed, either paid or come back as a corrected EOB that says you can charge for it. Now, again, going after the fact is a lot more paperwork. It's a lot more hassle. It's not necessarily worth it in general to do often. And that's where you learn ahead of time when they're coming. So you preempt them and make life so much easier and less hassle by dealing with it in the front end. So one of the things that you can do, um, and there are many reasons to do this, and I'm sure Travis will agree with me that sometimes it's just a waste of your time. But when you're first starting out and you're not super busy, it's almost mm -hmm. always going to pay. And that is to request a peer review in person on the phone and at a time of your choosing, because they have to give you one. So that means they have to pay another dentist $500 an hour to sit there and talk to you about why they're not going to pay you. It's interesting. When you start doing that a lot, you start getting a lot fewer disallowals or not uh, denials. Like they were no dis disallowals back then. My, 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 my fault there, but you get a lot less denials. Guess what else you get a lot less denials for? Sending in the proper paperwork because a lot of these claims never see a human being. A lot of your dis, uh, a lot of your denied claims never see a human being. I want you to think about that. It's because they use AI. 
and they look and they see at the clearinghouse, oh, does it have this attachment? Does it have this attachment? No, kick it back with an automatic denial. So guys, yep. you can really be saving yourselves a lot of pain, a lot of money, a lot of frustration. If you just learn what the insurance companies want to see for a specific case, what evidence you need to present to them, and Dr. Campbell's course is going to accomplish that. Once again, if you'd like to sign up, by the way, so everyone knows, Travis, are you paying me to do this? No. Other than with your lifelong devotion as my friend? Whatever. No. <laughs> so, guys, click that link up top. I guarantee you it will be worth the amount of money you spend for it and then some. So, brother, it looks like it's just about time for you to get out there and go and enjoy your lunch before you're having to eat it while doing a crown prep. Yep. It was good talking to you, Chris. Same here, my friend. All right, guys, one more time. Dr. Travis Campbell, author of The Practice Whisperer. Go to the link above, click on it, go down, find his courses, register for them. You can only learn more. Have a great day, folks. Travis, I'll see you soon. See you, Chris. Hey, guys, this is Doc Huffpower, founder of the Business of Dentistry and host of the Dear Doc podcast. Today, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors. 4G Dental Labs has been a sponsor of the Business of Dentistry for over two years now. They're a family-owned business located here in Houston, Texas. They're fast, they're reliable, but best of all, they provide affordable quality. They're just plain, honest, good people. For our TVOD members, for your first 20 crowns, every fifth one will be free. Contact 4G Dental Labs at 833 682 8901. Again, that's 833-682-8901. Or you can mail or even just stop by. Jeff Guidi, the owner, would be glad to see you. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.